Hello and welcome to the Metapod, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. We're back. We're ready for action. Sean, how yeah. have you been? I've been good. I've been good. It's been two weeks for me. You had the solo yeah. cast two weeks ago. And then we both took last week off because of uh, scheduling conflicts and things. But I am good. I am, uh, as I tweeted out yesterday, Jake and I briefly chatted about this before the recording. But yeah, I, I'm a little sad that I have to sort of go back into lockdown mode here in New York. Um, it's it's dicey out there. I think the, the card game community in particular, uh, for those of you who don't follow the the Omicron variant news that closely... <laughs> Um, anime NYC was like a big, I don't know, spreader event or whatever for the new variant and the anime and, and card game communities are pretty intertwined. So there's been lots of, um, cases popping up at game stores where it's like, Oh, at this, you know, event, if you attended like somebody there tested positive for COVID, so go get tested. And that's happened like three or four different places in the last two weeks. So I'm like, yeah, no, I can't, I can't go to any more card game shops for at least another month or so. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. I'm about to, I mean, I just started a, uh, a part-time job as well, selling books. And so um, I've almost thought about just like not going to league on some days because I just like, I get off and I'm like, man, I am so tired because I've never worked retail before. Now I'm working retail and it's tough. I mean, it's not, it's not been bad. It's been great, but like, whew, that's a different kind of like energy. Yeah. You know? Are you on your feet all day, Jake? I am on my feet all day. And as someone who has previously <laughs> fractured their spine, it's Ooh. been very tough to be on my feet all day. Yeah. I mean, what? as somebody who did work retail for like, and worked in a restaurant too, but just find some comfortable shoes. That's all you can do. Yeah. I mean, I have comfortable shoes. It's okay. just been like, ever since I fractured my spine, I've been like a rock. Yeah. Basically, I don't work out really anymore. And so my body is just like, not used to being up like that all the time. I mean, even I, even though I was a former like college student athlete working out a hundred hours a week, you know, that, that time that I spent vegging getting into anime. <laughs> I, also, I mean, just standing, like standing, depending on what your job is, but standing up for that long, usually, even if you're like an athlete, like I was, I was fit when I had that job that I stood up all day, but like sometimes you just stand and if you don't really move a lot while you're standing, it's really weird. It's like a very different issue. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely something. But there's been a lot of things that have been happening in Pokemon, Sean, the last two weeks since we've had our last podcast episode. But you know what keeps coming in the gift that keeps on giving, Sean? What is that, Jake? The five star reviews that our lovely listeners leave on Apple Podcasts. Now, whether you're listening on YouTube where you can find the video version of the podcast whether you're on apple podcasts or wherever you can leave reviews make sure to please leave us a review whether it's five stars or one star whatever you feel about the podcast so then we can read it off we can get feedback on what we could do better etc etc because sean and i are in it for the long haul we've been doing this for a while now what is this episode 76 oh lordy I I, yeah i think so it's almost like we're, we're gonna be coming up in another three months on our like two year jake something like that yeah our two-year anniversary sean and i'll be together for mm -hmm. two mm -hmm. years that's a that's a <laughs> what big deal but it's what <laughs> i was gonna say what do you get for the two-year anniversary you gotta start looking up the 
yeah i gotta we gotta start thinking of ideas my goodness but uh this five-star review comes from pokey dad drew another wonderful friend of ours another pokey podcaster from pokey dad's tcg love from pod to pod five-star review just realized i've been listening this long without leaving a review that's on me heck yeah that's on you what have you been doing I'm just kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> Y'all are cool dudes, very knowledgeable, and I enjoy your insight on cards and the game in general. Keep doing you and banging out the great content. And P.S. Jake, what are your thoughts on the overly cautious hero, which is an anime? And to be honest, I have not heard of this until right now. Cautious hero. The hero is overpowered, but overly cautious. It's a comedy which is very interesting. It seems like you're kind of typical Isekai where person is sent to another world and they're vastly overpowered and they just get stuff done. But it's comedic. So, you know what? I, I might try to pick it up here soon. It does have an anime series. And I think I saw that season two was announced recently or maybe is coming. Oh, no, it's yet to receive a season two. So we I guess you're just going to have to wait. But Sean, have you ever heard of this anime? No, I am not. I'm not deep in the world of anime. My anime uh, is probably for most big, like like you, like a proper anime and manga fan. My anime is very surface level. You know, you got that Naruto, you got that Dragon Ball franchise. There's no issues with that, Sean. No, anime no issues. Fans are 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 all over the place. You know, whatever you enjoy, that's that's what it is with anime. <laughs> in my opinion but you know i mentioned you know leaving us a review wherever you are youtube in the comments apple podcasts in their reviews but one that i want to talk about real quick is a big thanks to our spotify listeners a lot of people from spotify tell us uh whether that's in youtube or twitter dms or something that they're from spotify so they can't leave a review but they want to tell us how great the podcast is and we've read a couple of those reviews here on the podcast but for those of you that don't know a couple weeks ago spotify did their wrapped up series so basically if you were a podcaster i guess even music artists get these as well probably they basically give you stats of like listenership and growth and stuff for the content that you put out in the past year so in 2021 i just want to rattle off a couple quick facts from our Spotify rap as thanks to you all. So, Sean, can you guess without looking at the cheat sheet of the <laughs> notes that we provided, how many countries the Metapod was played in? I mean, I literally just looked at it. But you know what? If I had to guess without knowing, there's there's a little over 200 countries in the world. And we have not... I'm almost positive that not all of those countries even have a Spotify. So... You know, if if people are listening to us in English speaking, like between 20 and 30 countries, I would be happy with that. Because English is also, you know, that's that's the pre-requirement too. You have to speak English. Mm -hmm. So, Jake, enlighten me. In 39 episodes, 39 episodes were played in 43 different countries. Sean, that's almost like a fourth of the world. Yeah, a fourth of the world's How countries. How we hit Antarctica, though, is the real question. That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite uh, pods, they haven't uploaded in years, but they used to have, like, listeners um, take a picture of themselves listening to the podcast in the most unusual places. 
So, like, if you guys out there want to, like, I'll, I'll steal ideas from other podcasts. Tweet at us at the most ridiculous places that you are listening to the Metapod. Um, if it's contrived, I suppose that's okay. That's fine, too. Do it for the memes. But um, if you do have, like, a weird thing where you listen to us, like, while you're flying a fighter jet, I don't know. Uh, that's pretty if, impressive. <laughs> if there's anyone going to, to space, I doubt this very much. But if, if there's any billionaires going to space on uh, one of Mr. Musk's uh, future trips and wants to listen to the pod, tweet at us. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Antarctica would be one of those places where it's like, if you're going to Antarctica and you listen to the pod, like that, that's, 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 that's some footage right there. If you want to tweet at us those pictures, that is at MetapodTCG on Twitter, or you could go to our email, MetapodTCG at gmail.com. You can send over a picture. We'll show it on screen, the whole shebang and things like that. But we had huge increases, Sean, from the previous year. We grew 903% increase in streams. That's 903%. It's a lot. That's a big number. Yeah. You know, it's also a big number. 693% increase in listeners. <laughs> so people joining the pod, listening in, tuning in for their first time. Absolutely incredible. And then 578% increase in followers as well. People listening to Tweedledee and Tweedledum and thinking, <laughs> you know what? Maybe I want to stay for a second episode. But you know the best part, Sean? What, Jake? The best part is that 168 fans made us their top podcast of 2021. We got many pictures over on Twitter and stuff about the screenshots from people's like Spotify year in reviews about how they listened to the Metapod as their top five podcasts. And we retweeted them and said thank you and things like that. But 168 people said we were the top dog sean <laughs> and we were, cheers to you i don't know if you have coffee today i don't i have i have a ginger ale i've already had my uh, coffee we are recording in the morning i should have my coffee but i don't i don't yeah we're recording in the morning because uh at this time tomorrow i will have been awake for about six hours no oh, lordy uh, on a plane <laughs> um but Jake, Jake, I'll let you do the ad read here, but like we have to monetize all of this success from 2021. Yes, right? Because we're growing so at an extremely rapid rate, you know, and if you want to support the Metapod as well, you, you could go over to Manscaped, who's the best below the waist grooming champions of the world. Sean Manscaped offers precise engineered tools for your family jewels and secret rares. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. There's been many iterations of the Lawnmower, and Sean, we've got access to the 4.0 as well. Join over 4 million people worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Metapod at Manscaped. There's no space, all one word, just like the Pokemon, so you probably know how to spell it. Easy enough, Sean, but it's been excellent. Sean, do you know charging? You know, you got your cord in your headset uh-huh. over there. You know how cords sometimes can be a bit of a struggle <laughs> yeah. at times if you're if you're okay. watching the video version of the pod. Uh-huh. Did you know that the Lawnmower 4.0 has wireless 
charging to it. So you don't have what? those struggles of the plug in and accidentally getting unplugged or, you know, maybe you're going to charge it and you don't plug it in all the way. And then all of a sudden you're going to shave another time. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, it doesn't work because I didn't have it plugged in all the way. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which helps your battery length last longer. So, Sean, not only is it wireless charging, but your batteries are even longer than before. Isn't that truly incredible? Uh, oh, absolute technology. The wonders of the Industrial Revolution. I, I also I thought of one pun while you were doing the ad read that I just really want to say. Uh, All right. And it is, uh, with Manscaped, you can be the very best and not the hairy best. Ah, there we go. There we go. There we go. I'll that see myself out. Will never... That is something that they'll never sing in the <laughs> no. Pokemon theme song. I guarantee that it won't. But we will definitely sing it on this pod. I mean, we were we got the product of the 4.0. And personally, I was blown away by the performance. I love it. Good craftsmanship. Good detail. Uh, gives me a bunch of different guard lengths of sizes. One to four in terms of the trimmer which allows a little bit of customization depending on who you are what you prefer yada 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 yeah and it's incredible sean i feel like but anyway sean if you or anybody else for the holiday season you know maybe some last second gifts or maybe you've got a family christmas after the christmas day that maybe you want to give something to get 40 or i'm sorry get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code metapod at manscaped.com 20 percent off with free shipping manscaped.com use metapod unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped and sean that's enough of the business it's time to talk well actually we can talk more about business because well the most valuable victini card that was ever printed was given out in Japan, Sean. Incredible. Been selling for $1,300 USD. And you may be wondering, what the heck is a Victini card doing a new Victini card selling for $1,300? Sean, would you like to tell us about how you could make a bunch of money if you have this card? <laughs> I mean, so I, I think... You know, some players and collectors out there, especially, will, will be familiar with the idea of like error cards, right? Um, and especially in Japanese, I will say it's very, it's much more rare to find error cards for Japanese because the Japanese typically, especially like print errors, you don't usually find that. Their the quality has been much higher. Um, but even in English, like the errors will usually be very minor things, right? Like red cheeks Pikachu. It's just, it's a Pikachu, but it has red cheeks, or it'll be. Um, like, you know, I think there's a, um, there's a oh, diglet with the a, fighting energy is like right. sideways on one of its attacks. Or like a famous one, Blaine's Charizard has fighting mm -hmm. instead of fire energy, uh, as one of like the symbols. And so technically on that one, the most printed version is actually the air. And if you have the real, the, the correct one, that's the rare one, but they're usually like minor details, but this one is actually a pretty big deal. It seems like somebody just sent the wrong artwork to the printer. Uh, so for those of you who, who may know this, there's two different um, uh, uh, types of, there's two different Victinis, right? There are, there is the Victini V from Battle Styles, and then there is the promo card, right? 
And when they wanted to do in Japan some sort of a Victini that had a stamp, uh, let me see here if I can the pull this up. The Championship Series. Yes. So both of the Victinis have different sets of attacks and different artworks to go with it. It looks like what happened was they printed the um, the good attack. I think this is the the good Victini, right? No, this is oh, the, this bad is the bad one. Okay. Well, the well, art is the good Victini, gotcha. but the attacks are the bad Victini. So it seems like at some point they accidentally printed the wrong attacks with the artwork or vice versa and gave these out. Now, the number of these that were created, I don't know exactly how many. I think they said there's two. Um, there are currently two unique Victini. Okay, sorry. I don't know how many of these exist though. So um, it's a little bit hard to tell because this is an error card. So during the championship series, junior players who win at least four games um, in this championship series and seniors and masters who win at least five get copies of this card. So it wasn't like they had a set amount ready to be printed. These are more of like prizes and stuff based on how many wins you get. So it's, it's a little bit hard to tell with us how many there are, but it is very, I mean, it's few, right? It's not yeah. like they printed this in products and no, it's a promo. Like that. It's a promo yeah. card, and it wasn't a promo that you gave out like with like a purchase at 7-Eleven or something, which they have done before. This is like, you know, you have to go to an event type thing. So uh, I think this will probably be one of the, depending on how many of these end up actually existing, this will probably be one of the more famous error cards long term because it is just so, the error is so large, right? It's like entirely like the artwork and attacks don't match like it, it's not like a, a little print error where it's like oops we there's a smudge here you know like because even some of the english cards like sometimes you'll get cards where it's like oh they accidentally like printed the foil on top of a little bit of the text and i'm like don't get me wrong it's a technically an error card but for my purpose as like a collector those are the kind of errors where it's like it's errors of the industrial revolution. It's like, you know, yeah. it's a process error, right? I'm like, that's not interesting to me, but this, this is interesting. This has happened before, but it happened in English. Wizards mm. of the Coast printed uh, some electrodes. So back in base set jungle, some of the first sets of Pokemon, they actually did a quick flip flop of <laughs> the base set and jungle electrode. It had the base set illustration on it with the uh, jungle attacks and the jungle stamp as well and the information, you know, the HP and things like that alongside it. So that was like one of the only times that really there has been an error like this. So it's been like 20 years. Yeah, Sean. So uh, one of every 20. Do you think you could maybe uh, I do you think you could get this Victini card, Sean? Do I think I could? I mean, you know, you if snag it. If one had the money and inclination, sure. You know, it's selling on auction reps websites for around 1300. I think if you are a serious collector, um, I, again, I don't know how many of these were printed. My gut says though, that if they print more, they're going to correct the error for sure. So they are sending uh, correct versions over to players via mail. Okay, yeah. So that, to me, suggests that there will be a very small amount of these relative to, you know, especially the Electrode version. I don't know how many times the Electrode version was printed. It may have just been the first edition stamped one, but 
first edition jungle, there was a lot of those printed, to be frank. So I feel like that one, there may be more copies of. So if you're into collecting, and especially Japanese cards, who they tend to hold their value over time a little bit better. They don't, they don't have the skyrocketing prices usually as some of the American cards, but they're very stable from an investment, from a collector perspective. Yeah, I'd say now is the, the, the time to pick it up when it's new. If you wanted to maybe wait a couple of weeks, the price will probably come down a little. But long term, I think this is a great card to buy if you're a collector because it's like, you know, there's only two examples of this type of error in the history of the TCG. I usually, I mean, I don't usually like to talk about like investing in Pokemon cards and like, you know, like you can make thousands of dollars buying this card. I just want to know, though, like what the price of the PSA 10 is going to be like. That's got to be not only like a super low count, mm -hmm. but like you're saying, like this isn't this card itself isn't printed that much. So, like, I, I really want to know what the PSA 10 is going to go for. I'm so curious yeah. about it. I mean, wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if one of these came back a PSA 10, if it's going for between five and ten thousand uh, dollars. That's insane. I mean, you know, it, it'll it'll really depend on the how many of these exist. Like, if they sent out ten thousand of these, then obviously not. Then this is like a hype price. But you know, uh, if uh, if they only printed a few hundred of these, easily, easily. So. Yeah. You know what they are going to print a lot more of, Sean? Special sets in the Pokemon trading card game. And you know what? We're going to be getting a new special set, not just a regular set like Battle Styles or Chilling Rain. I'm talking special sets like VMAX, Climax, uh, Shiny Star, V, Hidden Fates. We're getting another one, Sean, coming out in June, on June 17th in 2022. Labeled as a special set right now, Sword and Shield 10.5. The .5 uh, being the new set. And it'll have the same as usual with the special sets. You know, your ETBs, tins, collection boxes of all sorts and more. No booster boxes alongside this set. Again, being a special set. And... There's going to be a new type of product that comes around with this team up collections. Very interesting. We don't know much about it, but team up collections we've just seen in VMAX Climax that we've talked about a couple times on this podcast as the cards get announced. You know, trainers with their Pokemon. A lot of people, especially on Poke Beach, speculating that this Maybe the character rares coming in and things like that from VMAX Climax. You know, they're already coming into Brilliant Star as well when that set comes out in, what is it, January or February? Um, Sorry, which one? <laughs> the Brilliant Star set. Oh, February. Is that January or February? February. February. I yeah. always forget what it is because I feel like there was a point where we got like a month backwards um, it may have been this last year because of shining or yeah, shining fates, I think like messed up the schedule this year, but yeah. We know that VMAX Climax has been a super, super hot set with the character rares. And we know that even more character rares are coming in February in Japan through their set battle Legion with more and more character rares. So it's going to be crazy. I mean, Generations back in 2016 was a really good set. 
Shining Fates this past February was a really good set. Hidden Fates is a very, very good set. Celebrations from this fall. Very, very cool set as well. They just keep coming and coming, Sean. I, mean, I will say there's one set you didn't mention, which is, uh, to be frank, not a good set. Champion's Path. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Champion's Path is garbage. It's literally Charizard. That's about it. Oh, Charizard Path. Um, but it's it's that thing, Sean, of like collections, you know, like, I mean, it's so hard to keep up with all this. I feel like just new stuff is coming and coming always. And yeah, I mean, if you're a collector and you I mean, and you struggle with keeping up because of money, like, man, I really feel you right now. Get 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 a better job, Scrubs. No, that's what Pokemon is telling people. Wow, <laughs> that's honestly have me starting a new part time job because <laughs> I haven't been able to find a full time job oh. in eight months. I see how it is, Sean. No, I think though that this is. I mean, it's kind of it feels a little bit like what Pokemon says with like all of the um, sets that seem to be releasing special sets. I think it's just the overload from specifically 2021 because we had two special sets that year in Celebrations and Shining Fates, because it was the 25th anniversary. Mm -hmm. It is interesting to me. This is something that um, PokeBeach, who were, were on here, points out. And, you know, for those of you who've been, you know, buying cards from Pokemon for a while, the special set usually releases in, like, October. And the fact that this is releasing in June, it's a little bit like, huh, weird. That's, um, I'm not quite sure why they're doing that. My gut. My gut actually is telling me, Jake, that they may be pushing the special sets to the summer um, if this happens the next year after that because they want these special set cards to be playable in standard before they rotate. Because um, if you actually look at a lot of the cards, there's like the Crobat is going to rotate. As far as we know, Marnie is going to rotate. Um, you know, I think... Let's see what's the... Well, nope. this full art Marnie down here that we'll talk about a little bit later has the F regulation mark. Oh, no, that's the new Marnie. I'm sorry. Never mind. Forget what I just said. Uh-oh. That's the Marnie's, like, conviction or whatever. Anyways, we'll talk about that card later. Um, But, like, a lot of the cards in the set were, are going to rotate. So this is the problem that they had with um, Hidden Fates, especially, is by the time Hidden Fates came out, a lot of the GXs, because we're, like, a year behind Japan in some of those special sets um, had rotated. So, you know, it may simply be that Pokemon is realizing that people want to play with these very special cards in, in standard and being like, okay, let's try to release these sets earlier. That would make sense to me. If it's purely like a, Hey players, we want players to be excited about this, not just collectors. So like, let's meet them in the middle, release it in June. Um, and that'll give people about two, two months to get the cards, put them in their standard decks and have, super fancy versions of standard decks. And I'm like, I'm all for that. Uh, there I'm may be... I'm all for that too if we yeah. can be in a position to actually be able to play. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... A, with, I mean, you were just talking about with like anime NYC and stuff. And yeah. I mean, I have little hope of humanity at this point, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. I mean... Jake, I want to know your thoughts because you you know that I've been getting much more into magic lately. Mm -hmm. um, and especially I've been opening up collector boosters. So I want to know what you think about Pokemon if they would ever transition from these special sets to something like collector boosters, which for those of you who don't know, collector boosters are very expensive boxes 
of whatever the set that it's referring to is. So like, you know, imagine Brilliant Stars came out, you buy a normal box, and then there's a box that is primarily aimed at collectors that is like three times the price. Um, but what you get in it is every card is like special in some way. They're like, it's foil, or you can get certain alternate arts only in that car, that set or whatever. Like, I wonder, especially with Pokemon being a much bigger set for collectors than Magic really is. You know, I think there are far more collectors for Pokemon in general than there are relative to Magic collectors and players. I just wonder if that would be a product that Pokemon would ever consider. I don't know. What do you think, Jake? Do you think that's a, a, a good idea with all the new special sets coming out constantly? I think it would be an all right idea. Because a lot of times when you open up Pokemon product, I mean, we look at Fusion Strike. Fusion Strike is way too big of a set, mm. right? Imagine if instead of, let's say, alternate arts, right? In Fusion Strike, you instead got them in these, like, collector's boxes. I mean, actually, I don't even know if that would be a good idea. Because yeah. then you have even more opportunities to get, like, duds. I don't know. Maybe you get like better hit rates with like the regular V's in exchange with it. So you have more opportunities to get more hits, you know, and you're not like your secret rares are. Yeah, I, I get your point. Like, it's, it's a tough one because like, what do you take out of the regular or do you just increase the pull rates? But then if people are pulling more of them, they're not worth as much. I don't know. I know that I would never be able to find like these collectors things because they're going to come off the shelves literally immediately. And then the That's resale true. market on, I mean, the price is going to be like eight times over like retail price in like yeah. card shops and, and stuff. I mean, how do card shops like sell usually in terms of the, the retail price or MSRP with the magic stuff? Well, Magic is not as big of a collector thing. So usually you can get them, like these boxes are like $200 roughly for normal sets. Mm. Um, and then a, and a regular box that you would buy is maybe 100 So it's about double the price. Um, and you can just walk into a store and buy them for the most part. Um, only every now and again are there sets that like it's actually much more expensive. There are a couple of sets that it's like $300, $400 maybe for one of those boxes. But yeah, I mean, Pokemon, the fact that regular boxes for certain Pokemon sets have been $140 plus. Like, mm -hmm. if these collector boxes, man, were like, even if they're only 12 packs or 18 packs, um, but I could, you know, they might start getting into stupid territory, like six or $700 a box, which I'm like, I don't know then. Yeah, the reason, the, I mean, Pokemon already has a problem with scalping. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I, I just think that it would make everything worse. To be honest, although yeah. it'd be cool, like to get a box that you can guarantee like like secret rares or ultra rares in every single pack. Like, yeah, that would be cool. But I just I, I would never be able to open one. <laughs> I don't know. I just I see Pokemon slowly copying a bit of what magic does in terms of their mm -hmm. product, especially outside of Japan. And it's a product that like I think there's a market for it. And. I don't think people would be too upset if more alternate arts were overall printed and distributed too, because like players, collectors, like a lot of people want the card just to have the card, even if it doesn't immediately have like, if you just printed more of them, there'd be smaller, there'd be less of a scalper market, right? 
And so I think that would bring a little bit of that collector uh, box price down. And it would be, I don't know, the problem I've had with Pokemon lately, this is just me ranting, is like, to your point about Fusion Strike, you open a box and like, it's not exciting half the time. Because like, you're not, most of the time, like you might pull one card that you're like, this card is awesome out of a whole box. And like, I've started opening magic stuff, not because I want to make money, but because I'm like, every pack is exciting, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it, that's like the thing that I don't get from Pokemon anymore where I'm like, I don't know, maybe a product like that would get certain people to buy sealed product again. I don't know how many people like me exist, but I don't know. It's an interesting idea because, you know, like most of us that listen to the pod, we just like the cards, you know, yeah. and we're not here to make millions of dollars or, you know, <laughs> a lot of people here don't even play the game. They're here for the product news, you know, like what's coming out, what's the newest cool card, things like that. So it's an interesting concept. But, Sean, you want to talk about secret rares. Let me tell you all about Star Deck 100 now. We've talked about Start Deck 100 before, Sean, on this podcast. For those of you that don't know, Start Deck 100 is a series in Japan where basically you get like packs, but they're pre-constructed decks. You buy a pack, you open it up, and you get the Rayquaza VMAX starter deck, basically. And then we were talking about how this is like a super cool concept you know, it, it would be really, really cool to do this as like side events, you know, do like a yeah. uh, a pre-release style, but use these packs in or use these start decks instead. But in my opinion, Sean, it's it's started to go a little bit downhill as it's been revealed. There are secret rares that you can pull in these start deck 100s. And there are some popular ones that are going to be in here, including Pikachu V, there's a full art. Marnie's Pride, that's the card that I was alluding to earlier. Ah, uh, yes. That has a full art. Marnie, as we know, very, very expensive full art. You know, a lot of people love that card. And then gold versions of the Bird Trio, Moltres, Zapdos, and Galarian Articuno. But that's not all, Sean. There is going to be a secret 101st deck and you know the cool thing about this, Sean? I say cool as in sarcastically because I honestly hate this. This deck is all like max rarity pretty much. You get the three gold cards of the birds in this deck that I mentioned. The Moltres, Zapdos, and Articuno. You get the Marnie full art. You get the Berry full art. And then every single card in the deck the rest of the way is reverse hollow no regular cards all kind of like secret ish looking cards and i kind of hate it sean why why this is so cool i kind of hate it because like i looked like when i saw these star deck 100s mm -hmm. i was like oh my gosh this is so cool only people that play the game or want to learn how to play the game are going to pick these up and it's going to be great. But now we have a situation where it's just like a booster box where you can get secret rares, where you can get a, a god deck, essentially. You know, we talk about god deck, god packs sometime yeah. in Japan. And I mean, I, f 
I mean, and now it's just bringing an influx of people that it's just going to buy these up to try to get that 101st deck. Mm. And I mean, that's less people that are going to be buying it to learn how to play, to play with their friends, you know, things like that. It's, it's, I, yeah, I get your, your point is basically like you want it to be an accessible product for casual play. Right. And I don't live in Japan. So like, I don't know if these like flew off the shelves like crazy, or if you can even get these, or if these are uh, boosted up in price by the hundreds of yen, you know, by secondhand sellers at card shops or whatever. But like, I just wanted this to be pure. (laughs) (laughs) And now it feels tainted. Um, I mean, I guess would you have been happy if there wasn't a 101st deck? Like if every now and again, you might find one of these, like one secret rare in a pack. I think that is enough to like, make the person who opens it happy but it's not enough value for people to be buying these up to open them right i agree yeah and i guess the question then is like if it turns out that the 101st deck start deck is like one in every ten thousand, then maybe it's still not worth it and these won't sell like hotcakes because like nobody opens up the um special japanese sets in volume looking for a god pack other than like youtubers right Mm -hmm. um because like you know getting one of those god packs is so rare that like that's a a wildly in a you know poor investment (laughs) i mean if you got the money honey i mean sure i i but yeah like i don't know i i do like the idea of it um because it is a fun thing right like if you're just somebody opening this up because you just like to your point you want to have fun Maybe you'll play what's in the deck. Maybe you just want to see what you get. And then all of a sudden, everything is foil. Like, that's a pretty fun experience. Um, But I I see your point about, you know, now all of a sudden, it's just like a booster box where everyone is going crazy because, like, I want to pull the God deck. And and then it becomes like an overinflated price. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how it's selling right now in terms of yen on, like, card Mm -hmm. shops or japanese websites or something but i just like man it just like it grinds my gears that i I was so excited about this and then they're like oh yeah you can get secret rares and you can get god pack or god God decks decks, in here and i was just like i was like it's just a booster but it's 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 exactly like a booster (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i i like i do like it the fact that we haven't in the U.S. heard... I don't think we've heard of any of these products coming to the U.S. anytime soon. No. That makes me sad. Um, yeah, it makes me sad, too, because I really want to see these again at, like, side events like regionals or worlds. Can you imagine? Because I think that would be, like, really cool and actually, like, sell well. Yeah, I think it would sell fantastically. Like, if you were to have IRL events again, which, you know, knock on wood. But mm-hmm. this is the perfect side event for IRL because, let's be frank draft unless it's a cube draft draft in pokemon is bad it just is and that's Mm -hmm. something that pokemon can't get around because the mechanics of pokemon require you to have certain evolution lines so unless you're willing to play mutant which is okay but kind of awkward um it just doesn't pokemon is not designed to work in draft and pre-release is boring because most pre-release decks are samey 
you know? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it when yeah. when we talked about the news that pre-release kits were going to change with Brilliant Star. You know, we talked about how in pre-release kits, you know, you either pull a V and you win or your deck just kind of clunk. Yeah. But and like, these Star Deck 100s are pre-built decks that probably have some sort of fluidity and and uh, they, like, match well. And, and oh, man, I just... <laughs> See, that would be, I, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, uh, if there's a company out there that wants to make decks mm -hmm. and do this um, as a third party, I think they could also, like, I don't know, having it be official, I think, is a bigger thing. So it may not work, but yeah, one can the hope, one thing, can learn I mean, Japanese. Like, I've, I've heard some people talk about how they could do this, like, in like they could run a table during a regional or something and do this and the hardest part would just be like knowing the cards right yeah can't read japanese yeah exactly most people at these events probably can't either yeah and you may know what most of the cards do but there's probably some random cards in here that either haven't come out yet or are obscure and you're just kind of mm -hmm. like i don't really know what the attack on this like i'm gonna open up this deck list here i don't know exactly what the second like the second attack or the first attack on this random like a landris or something i don't know what it does like it's just in there and so half the time your your play group is going to be there like googling the card and like trying to figure out what it does but i don't know for a dedicated crew of people though if people don't mind that maybe that's the kind of thing where you know vendors just stock the 100s and run their own side events with the japanese cards and you just accept it just please, please, please <laughs> give us give us good things. But they are, Sean. The Pokemon Company is going to be giving us some good things in the future. Cue in the recent news of some secret rares that have come out, Sean. We're going to talk about a couple of these cards. Let's first talk about Shaman V-Star. Another V-Star, a new mechanic that is coming to the Pokemon trading card game in the next couple months this is a grass 250 hp pokemon evolving from shaman v grass and colorless revenge burst 120 plus damage it does 40 damage more for each prize card your opponent has already taken so 5 plus 40 200 plus 120 320 max damage for two energy yeah before you lose the game sean pretty uh Pretty cool, I would say. Yeah, and I think I listened to Luke from Celios talk about this card. Even the mm -hmm. V, right? The V, it's um, 60 plus 40 times. So even if they've taken five prizes, you could use the V for two energy and do, you know, 260 damage mm -hmm. just for the V. And that's, that's huge, right? Like 260 is going to knock out an opposing Shaman V-Star. Mm -hmm. So... You know, there's an element of like, oh, I have to evolve it in order to get the best attack. But it's nice that they have put a 60 damage less version, essentially, on the non-evolving. So I think it makes this card wildly playable because you don't necessarily have to Evo in order to get an attack off that might win you the game, right? And it'll be interesting as well because the ability on the V-Star, the Star Bloom. Didn't I say at one point that uh, the V-Stars were going to have abilities? Yeah, you were right. As their you big were absolutely things. right. Didn't, 
Yeah, I mean, Sean, I think I know what I'm talking about around here. But anyways, <laughs> the you may use this ability during your turn. Heal 120 damage from each of your grass Pokemon. So that is that V-Star ability. I don't know if it's necessarily that great. I mean, if you don't have any other V-Star big attacks or abilities to use, I mean, I guess it's... Fine, fine right because i mean you can use it at any point and you yep. can use it potentially and you know the card is good enough you know where you're using revenge burst whether that's on the v or the v max that it's going to do a lot of damage so it's probably going to be played anyways yeah i think it's um it's a nice inclusion I, I think this card is actually built around is is powerful around its attack rather than its ability um it is it it does combo nicely I will say because if your opponent is trying to set up game on the following turn and they've maybe done not enough damage to kill you um and they've taken five prizes or four prizes whatever it might be right um you can do that big attack you can actually heal cuz the nice thing about V star if it's an ability you don't it doesn't take your um, attack, right? So you can do it mm -hmm. and attack, which is very different from GX. Um, I think that is one aspect that maybe is not talked about or considered quite as much is that you could do both of these things on the same turn. And so you could put yourself out of lethal for your opponent going into their turn and set up your own, you know, one turn win situation. So it, it's a nice swing if it's on the right turn. Um, there are some people who've talked about like, you know, maybe with like Leafy on VMAX, maybe this is really good. I don't actually know exactly where this, this goes per se, but you know, certain archetypes like to do some setup damage. Urshifu, uh, rapid strike being a great example of that. Um, so yeah, we'll be interesting to see how, how this ability really factors in if at all, right? Maybe mm -hmm. you pair this with the Arceus that lets you go get two cards out of your deck at any time instead. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll be interesting, Sean, but scroll down to what I think made the most noise when it was announced. Luminion V 170 HP water Pokemon. Sean, I may be the only person that likes Luminion as a Pokemon. A lot of people don't even know that Luminion is a Pokemon Sean from Gen 4 <laughs> with the ability Lum Luminous Sign. When you play this Pokemon from your hand onto your bench during your turn, you may search your deck for a supporter card, reveal it, and put it in your hand. Then shuffle your deck. Sean, Tapu Lele's ability is back. It is. Um, one thing I did see a lot of people talking about i think this is amazing that the ability is back i think them reprinting this card and <clears throat> and you know after printing eldegoss because i think when we saw eldegoss we did mm -hmm. i think a lot of people thought oh this is kind of like tapu lele but discard and it's like versus seeker but a pokemon yeah but i think what people realize is like versus seeker as a pokemon is terrible Nobody plays it like just straight up. Nobody plays Eldegoss in their decks. And I think it's because giving your opponent a two prize target to get a supporter that has gone into your discard, whether it's because you used it or you had to trash it with research 
is almost always a bad idea. Unless it wins you the game, it's almost always a bad idea. Whereas this, because it can be an early game out, or it can be an out to something in your deck that you have no other way of getting back, um, I think this is the Pokemon company being like, okay, fine. Tapu Lele is clearly the... We, we tried Eldegoss. We tried the discard route. No. Tapu Lele needs to be back in the game. Um, but people did say that the attack on this is what makes it much lesser than Tapu Lele. I agree, because Tapu Lele for double colorless, it was called Energy Drive, and you combine the amount of energy on both Pokemon, and then I think it was... 20 times yeah yeah i think it was 20. i think it was and i mean that was in the format with double colorless energy mm -hmm. so you could very easily you know if you didn't have anything going on you could slap that lele down you can attach the dce to it and you could at least do some damage on the field whereas luminion is water colorless colorless for 120 which is a lot harder to power up you know ideally you'd do it you'd only be able to do it if you were playing like Right, or I'm sorry, not Frostlass, Melanie and the new like DCE that minimizes damage. Yeah, which is not ideal, I think. I think you could use Raihan too, depending. Like, there's there's ways you could do this in one turn, but yeah, your point is a hundred percent valid, which is like it's not easy, it, it mm -hmm. requires like a little bit of work. And it's like, do I really want to put in work for this thing? Probably not. Yeah, for, for doing 120 damage, and then you have to shuffle the Pokemon in your deck. You don't have the option, like Eldegoss. You have to shuffle this into yeah. the deck. Which I think shuffling it in, again, because it is a bench sitter that gives up two prizes, not terrible. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think it does make it a lot less. I think people were comparing it to Jirachi EX, I think it was. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously, I think in a format... I think the thing people compare it to when they say Jirachi or, or others, I don't know what the overlap period was with Tapu Lele and some of those other cards, but because there is nothing else in format, like we don't have Battle Compressor and Versus Seeker. Like those don't exist in this format right now. So because we don't have those things, whereas Jirachi EX probably did have other options that made Jirachi EX less playable, there's nothing that makes this less playable. So it's like, okay, well... I think a lot of people will just accept this. Um, I think the problem with this card right now, though, is we have too much draw already. Like, you know, and this is going to lead us into the next section here really quick, which is uh, we'll talk a little bit about the meta. But like Mew VMAX as an example, why would they ever play this card? No, Mew VMAX would never play this card because why would you? I mean, there's no reason to get a supporter when you can just Genesect for 8,000 cards on your first turn of the game and only have 15 cards left in your deck. Right. You, know? you have um, Arceus as well, the new V-Star Arceus coming out that lets you go get two cards from your deck. I think it might end your turn, but I don't know. You get two mm -hmm. cards out of your deck. Um, so you do have some real competition in the form of the way that card, like Pokemon and decks are designed, where it's like, uh, it's it's probably very good in certain decks, but... Um, the actual power creep of draw power, just pure draw power, not like items or other things is, is just out of control right now. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It's definitely not as good as Lele. No, that is just apparent, but it's, it's pretty cool. I like it. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what people try out with it as well. But 
Um, there are some other cards that were revealed through this that are going to be uh, from Starbirth and in Brilliant Star. You know, a lot of these being kind of like more GLC cards, I would say. Great or gym leader challenge format. I feel like every time we see card announcements now, like people that play the the gym leader challenge format, they're like salivating at the mouth. They're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. It's like everybody's forgetting standard and stuff <laughs> at this point yeah yeah i mean fair enough on that because uh you know like we were saying about mu vmax if standard is all like two decks right now you know mm -hmm. we in the sword and shield era i think we are coming full circle now before v star comes out which is when sword and shield started there was two decks there was mill and adpz and coming around full circle to the end of the current like sword and shield style era before we go into like the the brilliant the 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 diamond and pearl card era uh it's mu v max and umbreon uh urshifu that's, yeah that's it maybe jolteon but that's basically it i mean here's the point of the standard meta right now if you want to win you play mu v max there's no reason to play any other deck Mew VMAX pretty much against the meta, I would say, like actual like tier one, tier two decks, you know, not the rogue ones like the the Moltres Hoopa deck or even Gengar, honestly. I mean, I don't know if I Gengar's probably like a tier three ish. I mean, Duraladon had a spotlight for a little bit, yeah. but now people know about Duraladon, right? Grant Manley won with it and then everybody talked about it and now it's okay. <laughs> But anyways, if you want to win, you play Mew VMAX. There's no reason to play anything else. It has very good spread across the entire meta in terms of win percentage. You know, at least having like 50-50, even with its bad matchups, I yeah. would say, or bad. I mean, that's in quotations. But Sean, you kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Mew VMAX and its dominance. Yeah, I think the tag team Pokemon podcast crew, they talked about it in de in detail. And they have a lot of historical knowledge that Jake and I don't have because they've been playing a long time. So I would definitely, you know, plug plug for our pod friends out there. I uh, listen to that. Mm -hmm. But um, and I also wanted to mention David on Twitter sent us a lovely message. It was a review. Uh, I'm not going to read it because it's not really like formatted in like a read out loud way. But he did also want us to talk about like these, you know, BDIF decks and like how it historically has been and like, what could we do to, you know, people talked about banning Mew VMAX or like, how do you take it down a peg? So it's not just so clearly the deck that you have, you need to play to win. And I don't know, overall, um, I'd say Mew VMAX is probably one of the most dominant decks the game has ever seen. Um, we talked, Jake and I talked briefly at the beginning about the comparison to ADPZ. Uh, and, I think, you know, it's a good comparison for us who've played it. Zoroark, if you've played a little bit longer than that, is another good comparison. Um, the difference between Mew VMAX and primarily ADP, I'm going to say ADP decks, but ADPZ into like Zoro, is that ADPZ and Zoro, over time, there was a lot more things that you could do, especially Zoroark, right? Like who did you pair Zoro with? And that was a medical. Right, mm -hmm. like I'm pairing Zoro with, you know, this or that card because I think that's going to make for the most interesting, 
matchup spread. Um, whereas Mew VMAX is kind of, you know, do you play Meloetta? Do you play, um, what is it? The Latios? Nobody Latios? plays the Latios anymore. Well, I mean, but you could have at the beginning, right? But there's yes. there's very few. And like the question, do you play Raihan or do you play Eloisa Sparkle or do you play Battle VIP? But the, the decisions in that are pretty minor. I would argue they're like, you know, one card may clearly be better than the other, but generally speaking, you're changing just like two to three cards in a deck list. And like, eventually you, everyone agrees. No, this is, this is the best list. That's obviously a function of the fact that fusion strike has only been out for a short time. So I can't, I can't, you know, blame it too much, but it just feels like this, the Pokemon gave us a pre-packaged deck, which on a, on a little platter with this set that said, Hey guys, um, here are these cookies that I want you to bake. Here's the exact recipe for how to bake it. And if you decide to make anything else like brownies or uh, bake, I, I don't know, a pie, it's just not going to be as good as these cookies. These cookies are just the best. So up to you. But if you don't like cookies, then uh, you're kind of screwed. And that, I think, is the thing that feels the most oppressive for people about Mew VMAX. What, what do you think, Jake? I think that, yes, Mew VMAX is very good and very oppressive, but I don't think it should be banned because if you've looked at the recent trend from the last year of the Pokemon trading card game, you know, we have Rebel Clash comes out, Dragapult, best deck in format, very, very good, very, very dominant. It holds a good meta share, and it, it just took out online tournaments and things like that. Then you come Darkness Ablaze, and right away a counter comes, Dark-type Pokemon's printed, Dragapult goes out the window, becomes <laughs> literally obsolete. Like, nobody's playing Dragapult anymore. Eternatus is really good. Eternatus is really dominant. And then all of a sudden, Battle Styles comes out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fighting Pokemon now become the huge meta. Eternatus out the window, obsolete. Yep. Not played anymore. People don't play it. Then comes Chilling Rain. <laughs> Shadow Rider is printed. Immediate counter to the Rapid Strike Urshifu, which was the previous BDIF. And then Shadow Rider becomes the BDIF. Now, Rapid Strike Urshifu has lasted a little bit longer. Yeah. You know, it hasn't been absolutely thrown into being obsolete. Single Strike Urshifu took a little bit to get there mm -hmm. because, well, Single Strike Urshifu wasn't necessarily great or like tier one, I would say to begin with, but point being a counter came immediately after. And so we've seen this cycle of new BDIFs being printed and these, these new cards for archetypes being printed and then immediately countered in a sense. Now I'm not going to say that exact thing has happened with Mew VMAX in terms of Mew VMAX is being printed, and now next set we're going to get a Dark-type Pokemon that mm. immediately knocks it out of the park, and nobody's ever going to play Mew VMAX. Darkrai V-Star? I mean, I'm just saying, that'd be a really future, cool card. Future site prediction, Darkrai V-Star, right? <laughs> <laughs> but with my point being is Pokemon is being much better about making sure there are counters as of late and printing those out. And when we talk about banning cards, you know, you go back to Lysander's Trump card. Pokemon in the X and Y era from Phantom Forces a while ago that neither Sean and I played with. Let's just look at that card, for example, because that was one that is one of the few cards that has been banned 
while it's in the standard format. And when you look at different cards that have been banned in the standard format, whether that's Lysander's Trump card or even Belalba and Bryson Man, which unfairly, in my opinion, got banned at the very, very end. <laughs> of, But I digress. Those are being banned because in the play environment, it's doing several of these things, eliminating opponents victory conditions. So in terms of Lysander's trump card, it's running out of cards in your deck. You know, mill is not a viable option anymore because for anyone who does not know, Lysander's trump card is a supporter card. Each player shuffles all the cards in his or her discard pile into his or her deck, except for Lysander's trump card. So if, you know, you got a zero card deck and you're playing the mill matchup or whatever. You play Lysander's trump card from your hand. All of those cards in your discard pile yeah. get shuffled back in. Now you got 45 cards in your deck. You're not going to deck out and Lysander's trump cards in there. Even your versus seekers, right? Because this was yeah. printed. This was during the time that versus seeker was around. So even if you mill the Lysander's trump, so long as you hold one versus seeker in your hand, you're like, well... And you could even play multiple Lysander's Trump card because this card was just insane. Yeah. And this not only allowed, like I was saying, you know, you could have multiple Lysander's Trump cards in your deck, even though that one is in the discard pile, you not only have options of Versus Seeker, but this allowed repeated use of those powerful trainer cards. And then others like N that was printed during X and Y, you know, a bunch of different supporters, Colrus as well from the Plasma era. And it allows you to draw through your deck also quickly with minimal repercussions and extends the time of battle. So it was just such a dominant card that it allowed the game to not be played in the way that Pokemon wants to be played. Whereas in comparison, yes, Mew is very good. Yes, Mew is very dominant, but it's still played in the way that Pokemon wants to be played. Yeah. You know, it's not like Mew is playing through its <laughs> card with using Genesect eight times in a single turn and drawing 800 cards. And there's not repercussions behind that. There are definitely repercussions behind that, but it's all for a purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah. Even if Mew has a 40% share <laughs> in these online tournaments or whatever, and it's winning a bunch, it's not like negating different play styles or making the game somewhat unfair dominance yeah. is not equal to unfair and i don't think it'll last forever i don't think Mew will be this no. dominant for its tenure i mean adp wasn't really dominant until zashian and metal saucer yeah. were printed and then adp became the top tier deck in the sword and shield format when people were like all right this is too much yeah i, I mean for me, it's like, if there's anything you could do with the deck, it seems like the problem that really drives the deck is that it draws so many cards that you rarely are missing anything. And I think mm -hmm. if you were going to change anything, you might make the Genesect ability once per turn. And that would have to be an erotic. if you did once per turn, I think you would need Genesect to draw more, more. cards. Yeah, it would need to be. But I think that, it, ultimately, I think, Genesect is the root of the problem in it because it allows you like, you know, the tag team folks talked about this. It allows you to draw enough cards, turn one going second to find an Eloise to sparkle and, you know, play it plus the energy that you need 
all that good stuff, do big damage with Meloetta. Like 210 right away. Right. And it's just like when you're sitting here and you're just kind of like, how going first, if I can't play this, how am I suppo- supposed to do anything about that? Right. And the answer is you can't. Um, mm-hmm. And so that for me is like the only, that's the main issue. Cause we talk about how much draw power and search, like Pokemon is one of the only games that I know of. Um, where you can look through half of your deck by drawing and also go and look for more than half of your deck directly through like search cards like Pokeball. Like almost no other games allow you to do all of that in one turn, right? (laughs) So Yeah, and I mean, Sean is the card game guy now, you know, in Magic, doing Digimon content. You played Hearthstone, right? I played some Hearthstone back in the day. I, Mm -hmm. I, I played some Keyforge. I play a lot of things. And so, like, I'm sure there are games that do allow this. I don't know about Yu-Gi-Oh! But people would, I think Yu-Gi-Oh! People would say it's a little degenerate, too. So, (laughs) but, like, when you have that kind of stuff, like, the deck that sees more cards, card advantage wins games. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's a principle that is almost always true in any game. And that's, I think, ultimately what drives me to success is card advantage. You're just seeing more cards more quickly than your opponent. You have more choices that you can make. Um, and so like, if you were going to nerf Mew VMAX, that I think would have to be the, the thing maybe, I mean, you know, weirdly, do you ban Eloise's sparkle? It no. sounds awful, but like attaching two special energies and a single for a single supporter, that's a lot. I don't think you do, but like, you know, you got to find some way to slow it down, but that's, I don't see it happening. I agree with you, Jake. I think if Elisa Sparkle, so let's compare Elisa Sparkle to Belova and Bryson Man, right? Yeah. So Belova and Bryson Man, or let's just start with Elisa Sparkle. <laughs> Elisa Sparkle has played in only one meta deck at this point, and it's Mew VMAX. Very fitting because you're playing fusion cards. Yeah. You only play Elisa Sparkle with Fusion Strike Pokemon, you know, yeah. and with those Fusion Strike energy. Whereas in comparison, Belova and Bryson Man in the Sword and Shield format, you could play it in ADP to counter mill. You play it in mill because, well, you're mill, yeah. right? You know, Orangaroo control. If you're if if you want to play Pidgeotto, Orangaroo control, which yeah. was kind of a viable deck at that point. Like Belobo and Bryson Man became a tech in some decks yeah. during its point, whether that was in the Cosmic Eclipse format, in the Sword and Shield format. Now, was it a good tech? I mean, not really, in my opinion, but it was still at that point where it could be played in a multitude of decks. So definitely, I don't think you should ban Elisa Sparkle. Again, I think Mew is not going to be dominant forever. Mm-hmm. And it's in this format, I feel like with V-Stars coming and stuff, it's going to definitely knock Mew down a little bit. It could still be a very good deck, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I definitely think it's going to be knocked off the totem pole a bit. And to the people that are also saying bring back the first turn supporter rule, Try to imagine Mew <laughs> going first donked. and using like try to imagine Mew VMAX going first with a supporter on top of it. Like think about what it can do without the supporter. And now think about it, what you could do, you know, Elisa sparkling twice in a single like twice by turn two to attack. Yeah, you can all- guarantee the four energies <laughs> if you're in their deck. You could power up like eight different Mews on the board, yeah. like with a Meloetta as well. It's just no. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. The the first turn supporter rule. It makes the problem. It makes the problem. All it does is it shifts 
the winner from being the person going second who draws the nuts to the person going first who draws the nuts. And that's it. That's all it does. And that should that should bring up the point, too. Like, if you brought the first turn supporter rule back, think about the format right now where going first is pretty much essential to decks. Because of evolution. Like, yeah, I mean, we talk about the VMAX format, and I think just generally going first gives you a better win percentage. I mean, I don't mm. think it's like critical, like, oh, God, I flipped tails. Now I just lose. I might yeah. as well just scoop right now. Like, it's not the all win all, but I think like you have a pretty good shot. I feel like like you have a much better shot of winning if you go first and you have like a relatively decent start. So like bringing the first turn supporter rule back i mean i think that just makes going first even more critical yeah. and you're like that would make going first imperative to winning i feel like i feel like if if the first turn supporter rules back going first you would win pretty much every single time because yeah. you would just be so dominant no I, I i i fully agree with that so uh i think we have covered our thoughts on mu v max uh adequately like i said tag team podcast great other podcast if you really want like in-depth analysis of mu v max yeah i mean they played they played in formats that we didn't play in so yeah. like they got to experience you know the full of zorark we got the tail end yeah of zorark but they got the full thing from the start to the finish you know pairing it with decidui pairing it with trash Lanch, like all of those different buzz rock as well like all those different things and it's it's oh man the Pokemon <laughs> card game has been ups and downs Sean we talked about the de-evolution of the meta a couple weeks ago and I, I still stand by that statement and I think it was correct to make that title because I think we called it yeah yes although I don't think it was very hard to call <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty clear right it's like when yeah. you see a meteor coming and you're like that looks like a problem and then yeah, guess oh, what that it looks was a like problem. it might come over here you know right. like <laughs> But anyway, Sean, I will see you next week along with all of our wonderful listeners on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, whatever that may be. Make sure to add us pictures on Twitter at Metapod TCG of where you're listening to the Metapod podcast so we can talk about it. We can do all the things. And Sean wants to say something. I was That's gonna why say, I like the video podcasts. Good luck with your Christmas polls, everybody. Yes, Christmas right around the corner. Happy holidays. I almost forgot. I still have to do uh, Christmas shopping, oh, Sean. And okay. I'm taking a trip out of state as well. So, like, I have even less time than most people right now <laughs> to do Christmas shopping. So, yeah, happy holidays and Christmas and all that good stuff, everybody. Hopefully your polls are busted. Use code Metapod at Manscaped for 20% off. Bye. Bye.